Uh, this morning, I'm going to go a slightly different direction. Talia had a word this morning. So, Talia, can you just wave? Thank you for that word. So, I'm going to just, uh, just uh, change direction a bit. You know, it's so important that we continue to be who God has called us to be, and that's a people who are led by the Spirit. And uh, rather than just preach sermons, to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. So I was going to speak on Father's Day. I'll give you my points um, for what I was going to speak on. But fathers uh, protect, fathers provide, and fathers promote. So that was what I was going to speak on. And uh, now I'm going to do what I feel the Lord wants to say this morning. Is that all right? (laughs) All right. Thank you. Can we all stand? I'm sorry to do this. I know we're not in Mass, but I just want to pray. Just lift up your hands. Just hand to the Lord. Father, we just thank you so much that you are an amazing dad. God, we thank you that you are the father to the fatherless. You, you are, a, Lord, for everyone in this room, whether we are a dad, whether we've had a dad, whether we've had a dad that was good, bad, or indifferent, or completely non-existent, we thank you that you set the lonely in families, that you father us. And I thank you that we get to be your kids. We get to be called your sons and your daughters. And I thank you that all creation is waiting for the sons and for the daughters to be revealed. And Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you, through the foolishness of preaching, God, that you would touch each and every one of us, that each and every one of us would leave here having had an encounter with you as our Father. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. You can grab a seat. Okay, I think the last time I was with you, I talked about Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. This is the Beatitudes and Jesus says this, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I was studying this, just thinking about the word meekness, and I'm going to read this again. This, um, this is why I hate going on these things. I'm back on eBay again. No, I don't want to buy that. Okay. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Everyone say meek, for they will inherit the earth. A casual reading of these verses today would give you a mental picture of meekness that, that is far from the forceful image known in common Bible times. Our dictionary defines meekness as easily opposed upon, submissive, and spineless. But wait a minute. Once you realize that this word in the translation of the Greek is a military term, you get a completely different picture. The Greek word praos was used to define a horse trained for battle. Wild stallions were brought down from the mountains and were broken in for riding. Some were used to pull wagons. Some were raced, but the best were trained for warfare. They retained a fierce spirit, courage, and power, but were disciplined to respond to the slightest nudge or pressure of the rider's leg. They would gallop into battle at 35 miles per hour and come to a sliding stop at just one word. They were not frightened of arrows or spears or torches. They were said... To be the meeked. Meekness is harnessed strength. It is discipline. It is trained. And one of the things a father does is train us. Amen? Train a child in the way that they should go. Train, train. The word there, train, means to bend in the way that they should go. So when they grow up, they will not depart from it. And we serve an amazing father, and we get to be called his kids, and he's training us for battle. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says there is a time for everything, and there is a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry, there's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. There's a time for every activity. There's a time of peace, and there's a time of war, and I do sense that right now, across the earth, we are in a time of spiritual warfare. There's times of peace, but there's also times for war. When Talia sent this word this morning, I, I just felt shaken again that we've got to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to the church and not just have a nice message. It was a great nice message, by the way, but I already gave you the points. But I do I, I, I believe to, that right now we're in a time of, of war where we need to wake up. Blessed are the trained, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness is harnessed strength. It's discipline, it's power, it's authority. We've been given authority. And just for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about this war that we're in and what that actually means. Um, a, a few years ago, I, I think maybe it was just a year ago, actually, um, a while ago, um, I, I, I talked about taking territory. Anyone remember that? It was from Luke chapter 8. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 8, 
to the disciples, I want you to go to the other side. And when they're in the middle of the lake, remember these are seasoned fishermen. They were absolutely freaked out. And they were freaked out because there was a storm. There was a squall that was stirring the waters and they were terrified and they thought they were going to drown. So they wake up Jesus and they said, Master, Master, do you not care that we're going to drown? Jesus wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and then he rebukes them for not rebuking the wind and the waves. He was living in a realm where there was no storm and internal realities always create external realities. So he was living in peace. So when he said peace, the, what happened, what, what was going on on the inside came on the outside. So the first thing was a storm. The second thing was a full-on satanic attack. When they got to the other side, the region of the Gatherines, as Jesus stepped off the shore, the first thing that Jesus encountered was a demon-possessed man who shouted, What do you want from us, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Interesting enough, in the boat, the disciples said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? I find it interesting that the devil knows exactly who Jesus is. And as soon as they're taking, this is all about territory. This is all about taking land. It's all about kingdom advance. And as soon as Jesus puts his foot on the territory, he's, the second thing he's, he's confronted with was a full-on satanic attack. He casts out the devils, and, and as you know, they go into the pigs, and the pigs run, and they, were, and they were drowned. Jesus then goes to the other side, back to Galilee, and the people were pressing against him. And as the people were pressing, he turned around, and he said to the disciples, who touched me? And they said, Master, you ask who touched you, but you're surrounded by so many people. And he said, no, virtue has left me. Power has gone out from me. And he turned around, and there was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She'd suffered under the hands of many doctors and spent all of her money. When that power left her, Jesus completely healed her. Three things that happened. Number one, there was a storm. Number two, there's a satanic attack. And number three, there was sickness. The reason Jesus calmed the storm is because he was living in a world, in a realm where there was no storm. The reason he could cast out the demon is because he didn't have a demon. And he wasn't demonized or tormented by demons. And thirdly, the reason he could heal the sick and cure the sick is because he himself wasn't, isn't sick and wasn't sick. And the reason I'm saying that today, because I believe we're in a season of war. We're not always in a time of war. We were born into a spiritual battle, but there are times where the enemy kicks up his game. And when territory is about to be taken, Peter says, think it not strange when you face the fiery darts of the enemy. This time we flew, it was on a Sunday night, back to the UK and we arrived and um, because I go quite frequently, I know what it's like to be hit with jet lag, that horrible gray feeling where you just don't know who you are or where you are. You're just, am I tired? Am I upset? Am I, am I, am I hungry? And we, we get out of the taxi and we arrived in Bath and walked to the flat and, and the, just, you could see, I could just look, looking at my family, just disorientated. And I said, all right, guys, this is what we need to do. Don't fall asleep. If you sit down, you're going to fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. We need to go get in the sun, which is quite rare in England. <laughs> Clearly, the people of Israel, weren't cl when they were following a cloud, it wasn't in England because they'd still be following. Anyway. But, they, but we, so we, let, we, we left the flat and went straight into town, which is like literally two minutes from the flat. And we went to a phone store so I could charge up the boys' phones. You know, you, you do these pay-as-you-go. And the boys had gone down to McDonald's and um, just want you to know the Lacavas, I, I wasn't at McDonald's. They were, they were at McDonald's. I said to Bob, don't I look great? Just before the meet, and he was like, yeah, yeah. I tried to get in there first, you know. Anyway. And while I was in EE trying to get the phones done and um, my phone rang and it was one of my boys. They're sitting here on the front row, and they said, Dad, we've just been attacked. Now, bear in mind, we've only been in Bath 25 minutes. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you're attacked? He said, I just got punched in the face, and there's a gang that are attacking us. I said, where are you? He said, my McDonald's. I thought, I'm right by McDonald's. So I left my wallet and then pushed it all to the, the guy in the phone store. I said, hold my stuff. I'll be back in a minute. 
and I flew through those doors. I had Jonah with me, and Jonah made his way back home, and I began to run towards McDonald's where I could see the boys, and I could see this crowd of youth around them. And in a second, I found myself in defense mode. You know, one of the things a father does is protect. And I felt extremely protective for my boys. And so I asked who attacked my kids. And I can honestly say, with the adrenaline and for legal reasons, I don't quite know what happened after that. But I do remember going down on the ground, and I remember a bunch of youth all jumping on top of me and being kicked and punched and, and there was blood on the ground and, and it was pretty ugly. And I got up and I just, now bear in mind, McDonald's is right, it would be like McDonald's being where the, like, uh, where, where the office is, the office pub over there. So, you know, the pastor of this church in Bath now is brawling like right outside the gates of the church. I mean, just like right there. I mean, there's people gathering around and it's pretty ugly. And I got up and said a few things and grabbed my kids and we walked. We walked off. We walked off home. And I thought, my gosh, what on earth is going on? And instantly I thought, think it not strange. We've just arrived to take some territory. A lot of ground has been taken in that church. A lot of ground has been taken in that city. Suddenly there's a full-on attack. Suddenly there's a storm that wants to throw us off kilter. My boys who are here, they're listening to me on the front row. When I said goodnight to them that night, they said, Dad, that was the best moment in our life, seeing you run down through the center of town. And they actually baited these guys like, oh, you better run now. That's my dad. And so they started to walk away. And then when the boys were like, that's my dad, they were like, all right, we'll take him. So then they turned back. Thanks for that, boys. I'm telling you this because I think sometimes we can go through life and we don't fully appreciate that we are in a war. And these, these things just happen, but pop, pop, pop. Storm. Storms throw you off kilter. Storms throw you off. They throw you off center. Do you ever felt like you've been thrown off center? You're just thrown off. You know, you're not quite where, sure where you should be. Just, I'm, just, I'm not quite sure. Do you remember Adam? God says to Adam, Adam, where are you? God, well, he, God wasn't playing hide and seek with Adam. God was asking Adam, where are you? Because he wanted Adam to know where he was. And that night, my boys slept well, but I was up three in the morning. I was troubled. I felt off-center. I felt disturbed. I felt angry. I felt the injustice. I felt pain. I was bleeding. My arms were hurting. My hand, I still haven't got um, proper function in my arm or my, one of my fingers. And I'm, I'm in pain. I'm like, gosh, God, it's, it's great that my boys felt that their dad was there. It was great that my boys felt their father was there, but I need you. I need a father right now. And I sat on this bench, and the sun was coming up early in the morning. The sun rose like 4 o'clock in the morning. It's starting to get light. And I'm sitting on this bench. I just began to pour out my heart to the Lord. I said, God, I need you right now. I need you to come as a father. Some of you need to know today on Father's Day that he comes to us and he meets us right where we are at. And when storms have thrown us off kilter, where demonic attack has started to try to attack us, where sickness has come, we need to know that we have authority. We need to know that, we, that, that, that Jesus is in the boat with us, that he will calm the storm, he will cast out the devils, and he'll cure the sick. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And that morning as I sat there, God took me to Genesis, that whole scripture, Adam, where are you? And took me through the process of what Adam did. He, he, he covered himself up. But you know, when, when because of the cross, Jesus, after, if you read it in Genesis, a, a, an animal was killed, which is a picture of sacrifice, and Jesus covered them. But I want to encourage you this morning that, that we are at war right now. And 
we can always choose, make choices to decide, do we, what, which, what, what do we choose? Are we going to choose to stay in a storm? Are we going to choose to, to, to be picked on by the enemy and come under satanic attack? Are we going to choose to just allow sickness just to continue to, to destroy and eat through the body of Christ? Or are we going to stand up? Amen. Listen, we have authority. Jesus says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. The enemy has power, but he doesn't have authority. I have given you, Jesus says, authority over the power of the enemy. And authority always wins over power. We're going through over old lessons here right now, but authority always wins over power. Can we just change gear a little bit? I'm going to... Um, I'm going to just jump into something. If you can turn to the book of Genesis, let's get into the Word a little bit, and I'll try and go fast. I know it's Father's Day, and there's a lot, a lot of prep happened today, happen today, and it's going to be a fun day. But Genesis chapter 2, I'll go quick, and then we're going to pray. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Everybody okay? Verse 7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed, everyone say breathed, into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Now the Lord God planted a tree in the east of, the, of Eden and there he put man that he had formed and the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, the trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for the food. And in, and in the middle of the garden there was a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any of the tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you have eaten eat of it, you will surely die. As we know, it wasn't a physical death, but a spiritual death that Adam would die. He would lose the very breath of God. That word breath, where God breathed in the Hebrew, actually means to delight, to have pleasure in, to love, to cling to and delight. And the word life means to enjoy, to prosper, to be well, to be refreshed, to quicken. And the word to chill is in there. You know, when God breathes life, he wants us to chill. So this was the beginning, church, of a love affair between God the Creator and the created. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And God and man became a living being. Then God took him and he put him in the garden. And he said, you're free to eat from any tree, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat. If you do, you will surely die. And I want to just say this morning that there are always two trees in the garden. God always gives us choice. And today on Father's Day, if you hear nothing else, that God, even today, as a father, he gives us choice. There's no electric fence was put around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it's like this in Deuteronomy 30. It says, today, God says, I bring heaven and earth as witnesses. You can choose life. Everyone say life or you can choose death. There are always two trees in the garden. And even today, we can choose whether we choose life or whether we choose death. It's our choice. Here's one of my pet peeves is when, when Christians get mad when sinners sin. That's what they're supposed to do. And we go in there with our Bibles. Well, the Bible says, well, it's like, but God gives them the prerogative to choose, so, so must we. God gives us the prerogative to, to choose, so we have to extend that same choice to our brothers and sisters and to those who don't yet know God. We have to do that with our own kids. Now we have to train our kids in a way that is right, in a way is honoring according to God's, God's word. But at the end of the day, they have a choice. And sadly, it's like Indiana Jones, he chose poorly. And today, many people choose poorly. We make poor choices. And for a parent, it's one of the hardest things ever for, to watch our kids choose poorly. I remember being in church with parents that were pastoring uh, the church, and I was I'm the middle child, and I used to sit at the back, and my mum used to weep on the front row, weeping because of the choices that I'd made. But it was still a choice. And we're going to pray today for people that have made ch poor choices that God will bring them back. 
Amen. Because, oh, it's so good when people who make poor choices, they come back. Isn't that amazing? When prodigals come home. You know, um, God spoke to me one time. He says, go after the lost because they don't know where home is. The prodigals do. Prodigals know where home is. It's the, they're not lost. They're just working on their testimony. Okay. The, the story of the prodigal son is all about a father. Everyone say father. Giving choice. I read that story sometimes and think, why did you give him his inheritance? Because God didn't make us robots. He wants our hearts. So he gave him his inheritance. He chose poorly. He actually said, Dad, I wish you were as good, you're as good as dead. I wish you were so I could have what belongs to me. And he squandered his, his inheritance. Do you remember? Do you remember the rich young ruler? He comes to Jesus and says, Master, I've done all these things. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus looked at him and he, and he says, Go and get, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Because he had much wealth. And it says he went away disappointed. But there's a line in there which is so easily to be missed. And I know I've said this before. But it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Let me ask you a question this morning. Can you look at somebody and love them even when they're making a decision that you don't think that they should make? Because when we don't empower people with choice, we're actually controlling them. And each one of us know what it's like to be controlled. God does not control you. He says, choose life or choose death. Choose life to, or choose death. There are always two trees in the garden. There's the tree of life and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But it's like doing a test and doing an exam and the invigilator comes and he, put, he hangs over our shoulder and he points and he says, pick this one. Like it's multiple choice. Which one should I choose? Choose life or choose death? Choose life. Choose life. And every day we can choose. You'll see it today. You will have decisions that you can make before the sun goes down today. Will you choose life or will you choose death? Will you choose life, that which brings pleasure to God? It's, if you eat from it, you will surely die. Okay, I'm going to break this down a little bit more. Is that okay? You know, I'm, I'm saying this today because I believe we are in a time of training. We're in a time where the, where the meek that will inherit the earth, God is saying, I want you to start getting trained. I want you to start making good choices. I want you to, so I, to, by default, we make a good choice every day. I'm going to choose life today. I'm not going to choose the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going, to, I'm going to go there in a little bit. But if we do, we will find that we are stable. James said, see, if there's a tree of life and there's a tree of knowledge, everyone say knowledge. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, we live in the age of Google. You can Google anything. You can find out knowledge. You can just find out stuff. But sometimes it's in our pursuit of trying to get knowledge and understanding everything. We can, in standing at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we can fail to just eat from the tree of life. And we're going to, go, we're going to dig into this a little bit in a moment. But, but the worst thing that we can do is stand in the middle and try and do both. James says the, the double-minded man is unstable in how many of his ways? Therefore, the opposite is true. The single-minded man is stable in all his ways. Amen? There's always two trees in the garden. Do you remember David? In the springtime, when kings go out to war, David stayed in bed. David was king. It was springtime. And David didn't do what he should be doing. And instead of doing what he should have been doing, which is going to war because he was king, he stayed in bed. He was double-minded. And as a result, he got up late, saw Bathsheba, and all kinds of problems happened because of that double-minded decision. Amen? Peter. When Jesus meets Peter, he says, Peter, I want you to leave your nets and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And if you read in John 21, right at the end of the, the Gospel of John, it says this, that after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to them, but then, um, and he breathed on them, but then Peter says, I'm going fishing. And Peter went back doing the very thing that God asked him to leave, and the result of that is he caught nothing, He went back, he caught nothing, and the next morning, he didn't even recognize that it was Jesus on the shore. See, when we get distracted, we get disillusioned. Double-minded. 
the next person was Abraham. Do you remember Abraham was promised that you will be the father of many nations and your descendants will be as great as the sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. And if you could count them, greater than that will be your descendants. And yet he can't have a child. And so his wife, Sarah, comes up with this plan that if she allows Hagar, her handmaiden, to sleep with her husband, it will help God out by creating a baby. And you know the story. They ended up with an Ishmael. And today there is still a problem from that bad choice. Everyone say choice. But if they'd waited, they would have waited for an Isaac. See, Abraham is the father of faith. And faith always gives birth to laughter. Isaac means laughter. If we'll just wait, but so often we want to help God out and speed things up, do things in our own flesh. And it's because we're stood at the wrong tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to give five letters and they spell the word life because that's what I want to just hone in on this before we leave. It's just a few minutes. Four? Four. There's three types of people in this world. Those who are good at math and those that aren't. L-I-F-E. It's the name of the church. Probably should get that right. Okay, so life. <laughs> oh. You know it's good to, you know the L is for laugh. Laughter. If we eat from the tree of, the, eat from the tree of life, if we eat from the tree of life, we will learn to laugh a lot. It's a, you know, I laugh at myself. I was at the airport recently, and I was in an elevator coming out of the, from the terminal, about to go and get, get into the car, and the guy goes, oh, um, I just landed. I said, yeah, me too. And uh, he said, oh, it was a long flight. I said, yeah, mine, me too. He said, I'm going to the parking lot now. I headed to the parking lot. I said, yeah, me too. I thought, this is a friendly guy. And uh, he said, uh, what's the temperature like? I said, I, I don't know. I just landed too. And... Uh, and he carries on talking, so I'm answering his questions. And then in the end, he goes, he takes his head back. He goes, excuse me, I'm on the phone to someone. Can you please stop talking? I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's good to laugh at yourself sometimes. I mean, I was fully engaged with this guy. Like, this is really friendly. And I thought he was looking at me. He was like, oh, yeah, I just landed. He had a long hair and he didn't quite see. I couldn't see. Anyway. But, you know, you know adults laugh around 17.5 times a day. Do you know children laugh in excess of three to 400 times a day? Do you think perhaps maybe there's something about having a childlike faith? Do you think perhaps there's something about eating from the tree of life instead of standing at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Instead of standing at the tree of knowledge and saying, I need to understand, I, I don't understand what's going on here. You know, in, in Philippians 4 verse 7, it says, if the peace of God passes understanding, all right? Here's the, this is the tree of knowledge, okay? Here's the tree of life. If you want the peace that passes understanding, sometimes you have to give up the right to understand. By understanding, I'm going to go with peace, by understanding, I'm going to go with life. And many of you here have been through stuff that you do not understand. Can I encourage you, do not stay stuck at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you want the peace that passes understanding, I just need to understand. If you, part, if you want the peace that goes past the understanding, sometimes you have to give up the right to understand and go for the peace. So sometimes we have to say, bye-bye understanding, I don't know. See, it's by faith. It is by faith that we understand that the world was formed by a word of God's command. First of all, we have to believe that God exists. Sometimes you'll say, well, you can prove now because they found Noah's Ark or there's a Bible code. It's like, no, no, no. It is by faith that we understand. First of all, we have to believe that God exists and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It starts with, I believe you, God. It starts by saying, I'm going to leave that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Watch this. It's the knowledge of right and wrong. Good and evil. The knowledge of right and wrong. Often we'll stand at the tree of right and wrong. Who's right? Who's wrong? I'm going to argue over this. 
And I think sometimes just leave it. Let it go. You know what? I'd rather go with the peace. I'd rather have relationship than be right. By right, I'm going to go with relationship. I'm going to go with peace. I'm going to eat from the tree of life. I'm going to have relationship. And you know what? It, it smashes the enemy on the head when we do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In all, lean not on your own understanding. When we just want to understand, we lean on our own understanding. You know, sometimes people, I meet people, even this last few weeks, who just want to debate certain parts of Scripture. But really, they're just wanting to divide. I said to one guy, I said, listen, I think on this particular subject that you're wanting to tackle and, go to, and come into combat with me over, I would want to suggest that in Paul's letters, I could, there are more Scriptures where Paul says, avoid, leave it. Avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. Avoid endless chatter. Avoid endless genealogies. For they destroy those. On this particular, I'm not talking about foundational truths, okay? I'm on this particular issue. There's enough in Scripture to say both. And I'd rather just have a relationship with you, if that's okay, than argue and divide over the right and wrong. Don't eat from the tree of right and wrong. In fact, don't even touch it, but eat from the tree of life. There are so many things, and I'm just knowing many of you in this room and knowing some of the, th- the things that you've faced. I love reading the Bible. I just, in fact, I just got a new Bible for Father's Day. I bought it, but then I asked the kids. You know, I want to make sure I got a good one. <laughs> but I had the last one for five years, and it was literally uh, last Sunday with pieces of paper were falling out. And so, actually, it was this one here. And so, um, so I've just got a new one. But anyway, I love the Word of God because it's, it's, it's the only book you'll ever read where the author is always present. Paul prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know him better. The hope to which he's called us, the glorious inheritance in the faith. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, the spirit of revelation comes. And I love just the word of God, just reading it. But, so, you know, I was reading, you know, in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas are severely beaten. They are severely beaten. They are flogged. And then they were pushed into an inner cell. And then we love preaching this. We love reading this. And they began to praise. And they began to worship. And at midnight, everyone say Midnight. At midnight, there's an earthquake, and the earthquake is so violent, it shakes the jail doors, and they fly off. And they are released, but not only are they released, but all the other prisoners. And you know, I was reading recently, and then I read that Paul goes back into jail. Except this time, he's there for two years. Imagine, I mean, just go with me. Imagine if you're Paul. He could stand at that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the, 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 the tree of understanding, the tree of right and wrong. Every single day. I, I wonder on that first night, he was like, hey, don't worry, I got this. 12 o'clock. Watch this. Hey, Silas, do your song. Do your, sing that song, that hymn. Nothing happens. They're waiting for an earthquake. Silas, you're singing it off key. You know, sing it again. Like, Dude, maybe it was the other song. What was it? What was that song? And just nothing. I wonder how 365 days. Every times two. Every single day. Can you imagine? At midnight, maybe it's tonight. You know, we can stand at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can stand at the tree of right and wrong. Or we can say, I'm not going to touch that. I don't understand that. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him, and he will make my path straight. I'm going to leave the peace. I'm going to go for the peace that goes past the understanding. By understanding, I'm going to eat from the tree of life. And my faith is not going to be hinged on whether things should happen in the time that I thought that they should happen. And that's what, that's what Paul must have done every single night. Okay, let's try it again. Let's try it But sometimes God does things once and one time only. I've got friends that have healing ministries. And they see the most amazing creative miracles. 
and their own children are still have the same sickness that they see other people set free from on a monthly basis. And they could choose to charge God with wrongdoing. They could choose to be intellectually offended at God. They could choose to stand at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to stand at the tree of the, the tree of right and wrong, or they can say, see ya, I'm going to eat from the tree of life. Number one, it always brings laughter. I is for intimidates the, the enemy. Life, L. I-F-E. I is for intimidates. Everyone say intimidates. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. I'm going to speed up. It says this. He has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He has not given you a spirit of timidity. Can I encourage you, fathers, be strong. And when you are strong, you intimidate the enemy. Jeremy said it earlier when he was talking about um, pushing back, pushing back against the enemy. I was like, come on. And that's what we need to do. This church, I think I may want to talk about this next week, but about the gates, what gates are in in the Bible. That we are gates, the Bible says. We have authority, that we use our authority. And when we do, it intimidates the enemy. You know, one of the words for the devil is Belzebub, which means Lord of the Flies, Lord of the Dung Heap. Do you want me to keep going? He's the Lord of the Poop. Anyone like flies here? I hate flies. I hate flies. Just flies are just because flies land in disease and then they go and take that disease. They take excrement and then they go and land in open wounds and open sores and they, then they pollute the open sores. This is really important for somebody in this room today. If you are hurting and you have open wounds, Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, wants to drop poop in you, in your open wounds. That's why the psalmist says, search me, O God, and see if there be any. It's not wicked way. Actually, it's a word that only, tr- only comes up twice in the Hebrew language, and it's actually translated hurt and pain, which makes that whole psalm make sense. Search me, O God, and see if there be any hurt and pain. Why? Search me and heal it up. And I believe God wants to heal stuff today. And this is part of being meeked. This is part of being trained. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. It's learning not only just to make good choices, but it's a learning to make the choice not to be wounded and not to be offended. Not just intellectually, but with your brothers and sisters. Oh, I'm so wounded. Oh, yeah, but the, there's a fly out there, and he's called Belzebub, and he's the lord of the flies, and he wants to put stuff and, and contaminate you with other people's poop. There you go. I'll move on to the next one. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. It's the wellspring. Another translation says, from, from it, the issues of life flow. Life. Everyone say life. You intimidate the enemy. James says, where there's envy and strife, there's every kind of evil. There's every kind of evil. There's every kind of evil. Therefore, flip it. The opposite is true. The opposite to envy and strife is honor and peace. Where there's honor and peace, there isn't any evil. Can I suggest to you that in God's house, this army, this sleeping giant, which is arising across the earth, that when there is honor and peace, we will eradicate evil. Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Why? Because the church is a bigger gate and it's pushing them back until the whole earth is filled with his glory as the waters cover the sea. F is for fullness. Everyone say fullness, fullness, fullness. Jesus came full of two things in John chapter 1. He came full of grace and truth. Everyone say grace and truth. You know, grace doesn't work without truth, and truth doesn't work without grace. It's like two wings of an airplane. And he came full of both. Some people are just, the truth, brother, it's the truth, it's the truth. Yeah, but truth won't work without grace. Well, it's just all about grace, brother. Just, it's just about grace. Yeah, but grace doesn't work without truth. You know, often when I meet people who are so legalistic, it's just the truth, the truth, the truth. We're defenders of the truth, the truth, the truth. In my experience, normally there's something else going on under the surface. When you become legalistic like that, when you become so, it's like the woman caught her in adultery. The law, the law, the law. The law says, the law, they were trying to catch him out. Jesus starts writing in the sand. So much I love about this story, and I'm gonna, I don't have time to go there, but so many theologians try to explain what actually Jesus is writing. But the truth is we don't know. But we do know this, whatever he wrote, we don't know what it is. <laughs> and what I love about that 
is God chooses not to air our laundry to other people. That's grace. That's grace. He is truth. And he is grace. So we all need a little bit more G&T. That definitely went down better in England than it did in America. They were like, amen. What? Grace and truth. Yes, grace and truth. Yeah, we, Jesus came full of G&T. Grace and truth. Why, what did you think I meant? Sinners. Oh, okay. Grace and truth, grace and truth. Grace doesn't work without tr- truth. Truth doesn't work without grace. Jesus came full. The word was God and the word was, was with God. And John 1 and 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he came full. He came full of grace. There's the G. And truth, there's the T. And he came full of both. Can I encourage you, church, to eat from the tree of life? We need to be full of grace. And we need to be full of truth. We need to know how to wield the sword of the Spirit and move with the very heart of God. Not in legalism, but also to move, to call grace without truth isn't grace. It really isn't grace. Sometimes we're like, everyone, we're under grace, not under law. Everybody do whatever you want. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand grace and truth. Grace doesn't work without truth, and truth doesn't work without grace. You know, a man named uh, Arthur Wallace, no, Ern Baxter, um, was asked by some students what was the greatest thing, challenge that the next generation will face. And he held his Bible, and he said, greatest challenge will be, will this interpret culture or will culture interpret this, the Word of God? This may help you, but if you've been come from, the, from, from darkness and you're born again and because of the finished work of the cross, you're now living in the marvelous kingdom of light. We're under a new kingship. We're under his kingship, and Jesus is king. And this is his instruction manual, which brings life to us. If we live according to that, it will bring us life. So this really helps me when people say, well, what do you think about this issue? What do you think about this major topics that the the church is facing or in the world today? And I said, well, that's really easy. We just have to find out what this says. You really believe that? Well, I believe this. You do? It's like, well, yeah, because I chose to come into this kingdom, the kingdom that has a king, and it's the kingdom of light, and there's, this is his voice imprint. And it just takes it all the, the personal agendas out. It's like, hey, I've just chosen. But by the way, you also have a choice, and if you've chosen not to, that's your choice. Right? Are you, are you follow? This just makes it really easy when you get into debates with people. You're a Christian. You believe this. You're against this. You're for this. It's like, well, no, I'm just for, I'm just for God, the God of the Bible, and this is what he says. So you'll have to take that out with him. But I, I just follow this because I've chosen to follow him. But you've obviously chosen not to, and that's your choice. And if God gives us the prerogative to choose, then so must we give people the prerogative to choose. Amen? All right. Okay. I'm nearly done. I'm nearly done. All right. Um, Oh, and, and E, my fifth point, <laughs> is for enjoying God. So L is for what? Laughter. I is for? It intimidates the devil. F is for fullness. And E is for enjoying God. The chief aim of God, the chief aim of man, is to worship God and enjoy Him forever. Jesus came enjoying life. I believe we should be the happiest people on the planet because we have an amazing dad. The basis of our union shouldn't be a list of doctrines. Well, do you believe in this? Tick. Do you believe in this? Tick. Well, I'm not talking about foundational truths, but I'm just talking about disputable matters. Because... What, the basis of our union is that we have the same Heavenly Father. And we get to be His kids. Amen. John 10, verse 10, one of my favorite scriptures. The devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it in abundance. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. 
Don't endure life. Enjoy life. Enjoy it. Nehemiah says this, The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 You know, the opposite must also be true. The sadness of our soul is our weakness. There's a time for everything. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to rejoice. There's a time for peace and there's a time of war. There's a time for every activity under heaven. But can I encourage you, whatever season you're in, come back to life and eat from the tree of life because there's joy there. There is enjoyment there. We can choose to eat from the tree of life. I'm going to end there. In, in John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus appeared to them when they were, in, they were locked in a room from fear of the Jews. And Jesus walked in and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, when man sinned and he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the very thing that God said would happen did happen and he died. He didn't die a physical death, but he had died a spiritual death. What actually happened is he, very, he lost the very breath of God. And after the cross, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And because of the cross, man that, which lost the very breath of God got his breath back. Let's stand together, can we? I want to pray. Time's gone. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. You just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to, I want to just, I'm not going to have a time of ministry today because it's Father's Day and we'll continue on this next week. But um, I want to pray if, if bad choices that somebody else made to you happened, that you feel like, you know, the word abuse means to use something for other than that which it was originally intended for. That's what abuse means. And some of you here have gone through life and you feel like you're a product of other people's bad choices. And I want to pray for you if that's true. Secondly, um, if you've made bad choices, if you've made bad choices... You just close your eyes for a moment. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Precious Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are resting in this place, that you are hovering in this place, that you come and you breathe life on us. And on this day, on Father's Day, I want to say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending the paraclete. Thank you for sending that which comes alongside to comfort us, to counsel us, and to be with us forever. Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you would just flood through this room, that you would flood through the corridors of our hearts and minds. I thank you that you know each and every one of us better than we know ourselves. I thank you that you know what we're thinking, that you know what we've done. I thank you for every choice that has been made by us and by other people that has affected us. God, I ask that you would meet us today. Holy Spirit, that you would convict us. Thank you that you never condemn us. You never condemn us, but you do convict us because you love us. And I ask that we, you would show us those choices, that, you would, that we would stand there with you, and that we would bring them to the cross today, and we would, we would ask for forgiveness. If you're here today, you know you've made poor choices. Maybe no one knows about it. This is between you and Jesus on this great Father's Day. You can come to him as a father. You can tell him. <laughs> and we can come boldly before his throne of grace to receive mercy in our time of need. If you feel like there's hurt and pain that has been, that has been afflicted upon you because of other people's choices, 
Just pray this prayer like David did. Search me, O God, and see if there be any hurt and pain. Some of you just need to forgive right now. There's no music playing. There's no special altar call. The lights aren't going dim. It's just you, and it's the Holy Spirit. And he is more than able just to pinpoint stuff in your life right now. And you can come to your dad today. Some of you just need to know God as a dad again. Like I did that night when I was a dad to somebody else, but I needed a dad. You need to find your center again. You need to, you need to hear that voice of your heavenly father saying, where are you? Not because he doesn't know, because he wants you to know. And if you're off center because of a storm, a storm's thrown you off kilter. It's thrown you off balance. You just need to find your center again. Some of you dads who need to find your center with your family. You're off center, storm, whether it's a storm, a satanic attack, whether it's sickness, circumstance, whatever it is, today's your day. Find your center with your heavenly father again. Don't leave this place by just saying, God, here am I. I need you. I'm I'm trying to cover myself. I'm trying to hide, but here I am. And Father, I ask that you would cover me. Ask, ask that you would cover me. Thank you for the sacrifices that the sacrifice that you made on the cross through your Son Jesus. Thank you for that. Just let Him flood over you. Let those heals. Let those wounds get healed. Just as you read the Word this week, it's the water of the Word heals. And what it does is it'll stop Beelzebub. You know we can't stop the birds flying over our head, but we can stop them resting in our hair, if you have hair. Father, most of all, I thank you that when we eat from the tree of life, we laugh a lot, we intimidate the devil, we stay full of grace and truth, and we get to enjoy you. I ask today would you would mark this day for every man, every woman, for every child in this room, that this would be a day of laughter, a day, a day of intimidating the enemy, because we know who we are. A day of being fullness, full of your grace and full of your truth. And a day where we truly get to enjoy you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Church, have an amazing afternoon and Father's Day. Why don't you just go and give somebody a hug? Go and say hi to somebody. Go and greet somebody.